At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Hanging out at a skate park. The radical dudes Leonardo, Donatello, Michelangelo, and Raphael were eating pizza and doing some totally gnarly kickflips. While enjoying the day off, Raphael wondered if he couldn't get some real action today. It is then that a series of explosions goes off in the near distance and the Ninja Turtles leap to their feet, ready for action. Arriving on scene, the Russian super team, the Guardians, surveys the damage, looking for how they could punch and slice their way to helpfulness. Misunderstanding the situation, Michelangelo points at the Guardians and says, Get them, dudes! And with a cowabunga, the turtles leap headfirst into a battle they will never forget. It's the Ooze's Secret versus the Soviet Super Team. It's Testudinus versus Motherland. It's the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles versus the Guardians today on Who Would Win? And welcome to another episode of Who Would Win, a show that completely ignores anything important happening in the world and instead focuses on a fictional battle between two characters from the worlds of comic books, sci-fi, and fantasy. I'm your host, James Gabsey, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Ray Stekanis. Ray, today's matchup is a... um. I don't even know what you would call today's matchup. A it's barn burner. A team. It's a barn it's, it's, burner, James. It's a team versus team battle. No joke. On one side, you got the popular, the legendary, the amazing Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. And on the other side, you have the Guardians, a group of lesser known but still powerful Russian superheroes. So I did a patented who would win Google search to see if anyone had ever discussed this battle before. And you're not going to believe this. Mm-hmm. Google had one hit. Really? One hit. Yeah, meaning one person inquired about this matchup. Turns out that was me when I typed it in in Google. Anyway, no one's talking about this matchup. We're the first ones. We're the first ones to go down this road. 
Ray, what are your thoughts on today's matchup? Look, I couldn't be more fired up for this matchup. I have been on Who Would Win Show social media, hyping up the Guardians for weeks and weeks and weeks. Now, ever you since have. I finally saw this movie, it affected me. It affected me in a way I was not expecting it to. Look, on its surface, this is a below-average superhero movie from uh, an opposing foreign country of Russia. On the other hand, these are amazing characters that perhaps didn't quite get their due in the one movie that we've had a chance to see them in. I want more. You know, Ray, I, I just got to be straightforward with you for a second. I have to tell you, I'm coming to this battle a little bitter. I was told this matchup by the production team this past Monday morning. I heard about, you know, the Guardians from you for like probably a year and a half. Mm -hmm. You've been, been talking me about, about the Guardians. a long time. A long time. So I'm like, okay, let's give this a shot. You know, let me take some time out of my busy schedule. Watch the Guardians. And so, you know, uh, this past Monday, I, I prepared, I, I watched the whole movie and uh, I'm, you know, I'm never getting those two hours back. I, uh, I had as a, I, I just had to check out the reviews after I saw it just to make sure I wasn't imagining anything. And my favorite review came from this group of 12 movie critics who said 12 out of 12 movie critics all agree that The Guardians is a movie. Hey, that is literally the best review I can find. James, how about that? I know that but that's it. There's nothing. I got nothing, Ray. All kidding aside. Listen, I actually kind of liked it. I liked it in the same way that I like Godzilla versus Kong. Sure. Where you enjoy the action and the fight scenes. And then you fast forward whenever there are actually people talking. So you know, those are my thoughts about the Guardians. Kind of enjoyable if you put everything aside. Love the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Ray, what are your thoughts about this matchup? Look, of course I'm excited about this matchup. The Guardians, super powerful characters. I personally uh, have an affinity for each and every one of them. And the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, for gosh sakes. They are iconic. Now, we've used Leonardo on the show before, but we've never used them as an entire unit. And they do get suggested by the fans often enough. And we've been wanting to do more team battles. Hey, look, here we are. Best of both worlds. Everybody should be down for this battle. <laughs> you know, it's so funny after watching the guardians, it, it's just so hard to figure out why there wasn't a sequel. Oh, that's right. I do know why it bombed. It bombed in Russia horribly, like bad. Like Russia's actually embarrassed by this movie. I'm not kidding. They're embarrassed by this movie. And that's, uh, that actually makes this battle that much more intriguing. The reason why, if you watch the movie, which I encourage you to do, the guardians are actually quite powerful. This is a very intriguing matchup when you break it down. Mm -hmm. Now, speaking of things that are very intriguing, it's time to introduce our our next guest judge, making yet another appearance on the Who Would Win show, is the host of the Brentfist podcast with Brent Pope. You'll never guess who this is. It's the executive VP of Who Would Win. It's the one and only Brent Pope. Brent, welcome back to Who Would Win, good sir. Thank you for having me, guys. Like we had a choice, please. <laughs> you didn't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was told do this or or else, and then I read the note. It was from you. So uh, welcome to the show. Yeah, I, I've been really looking forward to come back, especially since I've been, you know, obviously I listened to all the shows and it's been reminding me a lot lately of my old podcast, uh, the Raisin Brent podcast Remember in that. that. Yeah, it reminds me of that show because also in that show every week, Ray would get his butt handed to him. And that's wow. what's been happening on this show. It seems like most of the time. So I just wanted to see it in person again and see if it's uh, what the hype's about. See if James is on this giant roll. See if Ray can redeem himself. What's it going to be? It's very exciting. Ray, I think Brent's actually checking up on us. And no, I, I, I know exactly what's happening right now. Brent wants to make sure that we're both doing a good enough job to keep our positions. We, we're on to you, Scoops Pope. All right? We're on to you. Well, look, if you guys, you know, if we ever need to make a change, 
I do know one person that's undefeated <laughs> all time in who would win <laughs> as a as a debater. And it's this guy right here. So I'm just saying, I'm not saying I want to take anyone's job right now, but you know, it's a possibility. I mean, what if somebody needs a little timeout, you know, need a little timeout and uh, figure some stuff out and then come back later, better and stronger. Wow. Okay. Someone's confident. All right, Brent, you know, you're so ridiculously busy with everything. You've got your own show. You're, you're, you've got so much other, so many other projects going on. But, you know, with everything you're doing, especially with the uh, Who Would Win show, I thought it'd be interesting if we gave our fans a little bit of uh, insight into a, the day of an executive VP from Who Would Win. Could you regale us with, you know, just a, w- what a day for Brent Pope looks like working for Who Would Win? First thing I do every day is I get up and make sure there's no pictures of Ray posted where he shows more than like above the elbow mm. showing on either arm. Or below the neck. We can't, you know, I don't want Ray in any of his Hawaiian shirts just unbuttoned, just like Magnum PI style. Just Ray, I'm doing it to, to save you. You know, it's it's to help you. No, I've gotten that 5 a.m. text before. So, and I, and I appreciate you bailing me out of those situations. Sometimes it, sometimes I get overcome. You, you got to protect the kids. Hashtag mm-hmm. button it up. And then, you know, I look at the list of potential matchups. I, I uh, make sure that. I have your uh, both your sleep number beds, and I check. I have the the numbers forwarded to make sure you guys are getting enough sleep so that your voices are rested because they call you guys the talent. So we got to keep the talent rested and and ready to work. Wow, I'll be honest, that's, that's a creepy. little more stalkery than I was expecting it to be. That's, uh, quite frankly, I'm both impressed and frightened. Check your contract. I never, I never read the fine print. Okay, cool. So, so so far, you're happy with the show as a whole. Is that correct, uh, Executive VP? I think this has been. I think every season of this gets better. Uh, I think you can tell by the, I mean, the fans are happy. There's more and more stuff. Look, I I almost don't care who wins as long as the fans are talking about it and excited about it. And that's all we can ask, right? Because we we want, we want good debate. We want good discourse online and maybe occasional jab back and forth and Ray yelling and James being very smooth. And that's the show. Excellent. Any tips for Ray or myself to take the show to the next level? Hmm, that's interesting. I think it it naturally progresses with your tutelage under me. Look, I don't know. I I always am about the story and always working on the storytelling and making sure things kind of make sense and they check out and they're kind of logical. That's how I think. Now, many people have different people listen to it for different reasons. So I think as long as you guys are the more and more episodes you do, you guys are getting better naturally. Okay. So, Ray, I really do think Brent is here for some entertainment and to have fun with us. What I mean by that is that you and I could get fired after this episode, so we better be careful. And uh, James, if I'm getting guns. fired after this episode, I'm going out with a blaze of joy. How many times have you said that at a job? Oh, this is the first one that I felt that way about. Oh, that's fair. All right, guys. With that said, it's about that time. Ray, do us the honors and announce today's matchup. Representing Mirage Comics and IDW, the fighting team that stays away from power outlets for fear of getting shell-shocked, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. And representing Russian cinema, the superhero team that most villains can't bear to face, the Guardians. Do they really represent Russian cinema, though? Oh, do they? Without question, that's why some Russians are so mad. (laughs) So everything that's happening in the world is because of the Guardians. Is that correct? Like uh, I would say a large percentage of it, yes. 
I mean, that tracks. Okay. Now, before we go any further, let's go over the official rules of a Who Would Win match. Rule number one, each debater will make three points. Rule number two, the Who Would Win match is a random encounter in a neutral location with no prior knowledge of the opponent or time to prepare for the fight. How could you have prior knowledge of the Guardians is all I'm saying. Rule number three, the debater must stay within the confines of the character's personality and the exact version of that character, sorry, has to be specifically stated. Ray, I, I wonder what version of the Guardians are you using? There's so many. Yeah, no, I, I, I honestly, I'm going to be end up using the manga version of Guardians yeah. today. No, there is only one movie of Guardians. That's all I have to work with, but it's enough for me. Got it. Okay, so I'll be sticking with the IDW comic book version There's of the Teenage... There is a difference. Look, I was—I actually was going to go with the 1987 version, the, the cartoon series, Great. because they have durability feats that are godlike. They really do. Yeah, fall, like they, they fall onto sharp objects off the top of a you know skyscraper, and then they fall, you know, Donatello falls, and then everyone falls on top of Donatello, and they all laugh and get up, and they're fine. I'm like, that's crazy. But I like the firepower and the killing ability they have with IDW, so I'll be the version I'll be using. Rule number four, debaters may only use examples of skills, powers, or weapons that are a long-established part of the character's continuity. Feats from non-canon crossovers are allowed, but will be given less weight. Rule number five, the winner of the debate is whomever the judge decides is the best case for defeating their opponent by death, submission, or battlefield removal. Rule number six, the judge is the final arbiter and can disallow or veto any point they feel violates these rules of or established logic. Feel free to check out the official rules on our website at whowouldwinshow.com. And before we get started, don't forget to visit the official Who Would Win store. Get your official Who Would Win t-shirts, mugs, and merchandise by going to whowouldwinshow.com and clicking on the merch section. We have a new sponsor for Who Would Win, and I think y'all might enjoy this one. It is Marvel Strike Force. Marvel Strike Force is a mobile game that taps into everything we all love about Marvel Comics. You get to pick a squad of your favorite Marvel heroes, you know, and villains, let's keep it real, and team them up to fight big bads like Doctor Doom and, of course, save the universe. Your goal in Marvel Strike Force is to power up your characters and compete PvP against other players in multiple different modes. And you know I'm not telling you all about this empty-handed, because if you're a new user and sign up with our promo code MAXPOOL, M-A-X-P-O-O-L, you're going to get hooked up with all kinds of free stuff to get you started the right way. Let's face facts. You love Marvel, you love gaming, and you got a phone. So take a sec and check out Marvel Strike Force using the link in the description of this episode, ideally, and use our promo code MAXPOOL and get the whole Who Would Win show hookup. Thanks again to Marvel Strike Force, and thanks to me for this great read. Good job, me. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. This episode of Who Would Win is sponsored by BetterHelp. Is there something interfering with your happiness or is preventing you from achieving your goals? Look, we've all been there, and a good therapist, counselor, or psychiatrist can literally be life-changing, and it's never been easier to find one now with BetterHelp. 
BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. You can start communicating with one in under 48 hours. It's not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It's professional counseling done securely online. There's a broad range of expertise available, which may not be locally accessible in many areas, but the good news is that this service is available for clients worldwide. You can log into your account anytime and send a message to your counselor. You'll get timely and thoughtful responses. Plus, you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions, so you won't ever have to sit in an uncomfortable waiting room like you would with traditional therapy. BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches so they make it easy and free to change counselors if needed. It's more affordable than traditional offline counseling and financial aid is available. BetterHelp wants you to start living a happier life today. Visit BetterHelp.com slash www. That's Better H-E-L-P and join the over 1 million people who have taken charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. BetterHelp is offering Who Would Win listeners and fans 10% off their first month by going to BetterHelp.com slash WWW. Again, that's 10% off your first month by going to BetterHelp.com slash WWW. And now, let's get to the tale of the tape for both of our combatants. Ray, please give us all of the amazing details on The Guardians. The Guardians are heroes from a Russian superhero movie by the same name. Guardians first appeared in theaters in Russia in 2017, and it was written by Andrei Gavrilov. Guardians tells the story of a team of heroes who fought together during the Cold War, reunited when their creator goes rogue and threatens the world. Having been given the superpowers through lab experiments, the Guardians went their own separate ways when their original mission was complete. Each member of the Guardians represented a different aspect of the Russian populace, with their powers representing the part of Russia that that character came from. Lair is from Armenia, Khan is from Kazakhstan, Ursus is from Siberia, and Xenia is from Moscow. Now, in the end, critics panned this movie with a Russian news agency named RIA Novosti calling it the worst movie of all time. And that is absolutely outrageous, quite frankly. Fun fact, while it didn't make a big enough dent in the Russian box office to justify its planned sequel, it must be mentioned what an amazing feat it was to get Guardians made at all. Around the same time, Avengers Infinity War came out and it had a budget of $316 million. Trying to push against that for our for our viewing dollars was Guardians, who had a budget of 320 million rubles, which is only about $5.4 million, which is absolute peanuts to make a movie of this scale. So given that it had the same budget as Clerks 2 and UHF with Weird Al Yankovic, it truly is movie magic that this movie came out as well, quite frankly, as it did. That is Guardians. Now, the, the one of the main characters you said was Ursus? Ursus. Because it's spelled Arsus. Yeah, Ars. uh, they, it, it, it's, it, depending on where you read it, it's either Ursus, Arsus, it's a translation thing. It's Arsus. All right, Ray, well done. Here are the details. I'm bitter. For the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Created by Kevin Eastman and Peter Laird, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles made their debut in their comic book series way back in 1984. After being falsely accused of attempted murder and exiled by his ninja clan, martial arts master Hamato Yoshi could only find refuge in the sewers of New York City. There, his only friends were the rats of the sewer 
and four turtles from a pet shop that ended up in his care by chance. Based on his love of Renaissance art, he named the turtles Leonardo, Michelangelo, Donatello, and Raphael. However, Yoshi's rival, the evil Orokosaki, schemed with an alien from another dimension to kill Yoshi by poisoning with a toxic mutagen. The mutagen didn't kill him as they had hoped. Instead, it changed Yoshi and his turtles, transforming them. Yoshi, who had most recently had contact with those rats, changed into a rat-like form. The turtles obviously turned into turtles in human form. Ever since the transformation, the mutated Yoshi, now going by Splinter, trained the turtles in the ways of ninja art. Soon enough, he had taught them to be ninja teens. When the evil Rokusaki, who had taken on the name Shredder, tracked down Splinter and aimed to kill him once and for all, these Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles took it upon themselves to stop Shredder and become heroes of New York City. And here's an interesting fact about the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Did you know that there were a lot of knockoffs and imitators of our favorite turtles? It's true. After the success of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 1987 cartoon, there was an onslaught of imitators that tried to cash in on their success. Like We all know these shows include Street Sharks, Biker Mice from Mars, Samurai Pizza Cats, and Wild West Cowboys of Moo Mesa. That's an interesting one. But there were also comic book imitations as well including adolescent radioactive black belt hamsters, cold-blooded chameleon commandos, and who can forget the 80s classic, preteen dirty jean kung fu kangaroos. I felt uncomfortable even saying that. Now you have the facts on both opponents. Brent, do you have any questions before we get started? You guys know I always want to hear a good story. So whoever comes with the very detailed, like what exact, how exactly the, your team is going to win, that's what's probably going to win in my book. That's fair. That's fair. We always tell a good story. Ray, I'm, I'm hoping you stick with the facts. There's not a lot of source material here. You know uh, who else movie. tells a good story, James Gavsey, is some of those comic books that you mentioned a moment ago. I may have every issue of adolescent radioactive black belt hamsters in my collection right now. There was a period when I was going to comic book conventions, and anytime I saw a knockoff Turtles thing, I bought it. So I have those Kung Fu Kangaroos. I absolutely have that comic as well, as well as I think one about gerbils and, and, and a handful of others. So I'm obviously obviously going to have to go through my collection after this and post some pictures of all of the crazy ones I found through the ages. You know, if you if you take the value of those Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle imitator comics and add that to the value of your collection of NFL Super Pro issues, you probably have three, four five dollars. Hey, Is that correct. Hey, that's it. That, you know what? That's an investment. Not sure that's how investments work. But that's okay, Ray. This is a great investment in time. Go ahead and hit us with your point number one. Point number one for the Guardians. Now, let's just talk a little bit about the superpowers of this team, because I'm going to wager a guess here that plenty of people listening to this battle have never seen the Guardians movie. First off, shame on you. Pause the show right now. Go watch it. Come back to the show. You've already downloaded it. We already get credit for that. That's fine. These guys are powerful. Look, I know the Ninja Turtles have got some good you know, fighting skills. They use some interesting old school style weapons. But the Guardians are just too much. We have four main characters to match up with the four Ninja Turtles. Lair is the leader of the group. He's a little bit of a veteran, and he's lived a very, very long time. Part of being a Guardian means you don't age like a normal person. So these guys have actually been around since the beginning of the Cold War. I believe they were operated on back in the 1940s and did most of their battles in the Cold War up until, you know, 1991. And then they went dormant up until a recent day. None of them look particularly old. 
old. Lair is probably the oldest of them, but even then he looks like he's like, what, 38, 40 years old? So they don't age it. They age at a particularly decelerated rate. Now, Lair's special ability is he has power of elemental control over rocks around him. Now, he's basically Magneto. If instead of controlling metal, he controlled like the earth and rocks. That's essentially his deal. Now, some of the things we've seen him do in the movie, besides obviously pick up all the rocks and rubble in the area and throw them at people with like a, a gale force wind type of power. You don't want to be on the other end of a rock slide coming at you through the air. But he's also defensively taken the rocks and put them around his arm as a shield and charged that into battle, as well as cover his entire body with these very thick rocks to use as a de facto armor. So if he matches up against the leader of the team, Donatello, Leonardo, what have you, those weapons are not going to do a lot against a rock shield covering his entire body that somehow also doesn't hinder his mobility because he's learned to fight using the rocks. Now, the second member of the team's name is Khan. Khan is an assassin ninja type. Uh, when you think of Khan, think of Winter Soldier. That's sort of who he represents and kind of rips off for this character. He uses an incredible amount of speed. Now, I thought at first that he just moves incredibly fast. I learned later that it maybe is some sort of weird teleportation that leaves smoke behind, but he doesn't like go from point A to point B. He goes through it because he has these wild double curved blades that he ends up going at these super speeds of teleportation level speeds. And what I've seen him do in the movie is go through an entire car with his blade, cutting the car and everybody in it in half and having it just sort of go slightly you know, sideways like an anime villain would do. You've seen this happen in those types of things before. It's not a place you necessarily want to be. So he moves very, very fast with very, very sharp blades. Xenia is the invisible woman, if you could think that, because she has the ability to turn invisible. Now, she doesn't quite have the power and force field of the invisible woman, so she's really like that power mixed with Black Widow. That's the best way to describe her, in that she has an incredible amount of combat ability. We saw her actually fight Khan uh, when they first got to meet each other in this movie, and they had an excellent fight scene where she's using all of the terrain and walls and tables and everything around her in order to fight this guy that she doesn't remember, because she lost her memory. That's part of her deal. So she is an, an insanely trained special ops combat person who can also go invisible on a dime. And the final character is Ursus, and he is a bear monster. He is a normal guy. He has very, very smart. He's kind of a scientist at the end of the day, I believe, but he also has the ability to turn himself much like the Incredible Hulk would. He turns himself into a giant fighting bear that's either half man, half bear, and like eight feet tall and ripping people apart, or all bear. And he just has full bear power at his potential. You can see right now, these powers are nothing the Ninja Turtles are ready for and nothing they're going to have an answer for. That's why Guardians are absolutely going to win this battle. And that's my point number one. Okay. First of all, I think the bear-like creature is, uh, his name is pronounced Arsis with no. an emphasis on Ars. It's, it, it, it's a translation thing, James. It's a translation. I, I'm telling you, I'm, I remember reading the, you know, uh, subtitles. Anyway, so when, let's talk about Lair for a second. Interesting character. So when he, I actually have to disagree with you. So he does, you know, use rocks that he makes like rock armor for himself. But when he runs, he's not faster. He's actually slower when he can still run, which is impressive, but he's slow as he runs. It's very deliberate. It's like a very slow version of a large man running. And then the other question I have is, does he ever armor? I don't know his head. 
We we have seen we did see him armor his head when he fought the main villain of Guardians. Now uh, he ended up being that character was way too super strong and was able to kind of throw him across the room, which kind of you know the armor helped him stay alive, quite frankly. But no, he he has covered his head uh, when he's needed to. But obviously that's blind fighting at the end of the day, and that's not something you want to do. Right. I, what I'm trying to question here is that I I think you know Khan is by the way out of all four of them, Khan was like wow this this is impressive. This is I would love to see a movie about Khan, mm-hmm. but, you know, the Winter Soldier type person with that teleportation like super speed and his cool curved blades. The other characters I'm not really impressed by. They either didn't know how to use their powers to really great extent or they they just weren't coordinated enough. You know, the, I remember the bear, he you know, the Arsis, he transformed into a bear like bear man, like man bear pig kind of thing. And then he said, oh, my ultimate transformation is into a bear. I actually thought the bear man was more impressive than the bear. So his ultimate transformation. Anyway, lots of weird things about these characters. Impressive, some cool powers. But let me move on to my point number one. I call this the magical formula. So before I get started, let me make this clear that I'm going to be focusing on the Teenage Mutant Turtles really as a team. I'll talk about them individually a little bit, but it's really the team effort here that I'm going to be emphasizing and bringing to light. So each Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle has incredible physical abilities. Let me just talk about that for a second. They all have super strength, probably able to press two tons or up to two tons, somewhere in that neighborhood, with Raphael probably being able to press three tons as he's the strongest. They're superhumanly fast and can also move with superhuman reaction time due to super fast reflexes. They dodge bullets, laser fire, and all assortments of weapons fired at them. Not a problem. That's child's play. Poisonous darts, whatever. Yeah, they're out of the way. They're not getting hit hit by any of that. They're also super durable. They can take hits from super powerful mutants, falls from great heights, survive explosions, tank, laser fire, get thrown through buildings, and continue to keep on fighting. They have Spider-Man-like agility and acrobatic skills. Look, we all remember them on the rooftops, kind of jumping, flipping all over the place. They are awesome. They have super endurance and stamina, where they can continue to fight at peak levels for hours at a time. They can jump super high and super far. Now, this is IDW, so they actually have this one panel where it's a New York City block where the two buildings are across the street from each other, and they jump from one rooftop all the way across the street to the other one, and then said that's at least 200 feet. I think that's a little bit of an exaggeration, but definitely jumping 50 feet across is not a problem, and jumping very high up in the air, not a problem from from either. They have shells, obviously. They're even more durable than their bodies are, and they have them on their back. They can also, for some reason, retract their heads into the shell. I guess that could be useful. I have no idea. And if all that wasn't enough, they have an ability to heal much quicker than regular humans. Uh, now, keep in mind that outside of the Foot Clan soldiers and other well-trained you know, humans, the turtles are typically smaller and weaker than their opponents, and they usually come out on top. You know, remember what happens when they have to battle Bebop, Rocksteady, and the most host of the other like huge superpowered mutants that are armed with weapons and all that kind of stuff. They win. Why? Because again, there's a magical formula for ultimate fighters in the comic book and animation world. I'm not kidding. I've been doing a lot of thinking about this subject, and I got some valid points to it. So, for example, Wolverine, Spider-Man, Black Panther, and Deadpool are considered some of the best fighters in all the comic books, right? It's because they have that right combination of super strength, agility, durability, and acrobatics, right? That's why the Hulk's not the best fighter in the Marvel Universe. So all these ingredients kind of play into each of the Teenage Ninja Ninja Turtles. They all have these ingredients. That's why they win so frequently. That's why they beat vastly superior opponents in terms of strength and powers. And that's just a small part of why they'll beat the Guardians. Remember, the first time the Guardians lost, three out of four of them were taken out by regular human soldiers. Ray, I'll let you talk more about that. That's something that clearly wouldn't happen to the Turtles. That 
all put together is my point number one. Oh, really, James? That wouldn't happen to the Ninja Turtles? Interesting. Now, they did, in fact, the Guardians did get uh, hit pretty hard, and three of the four characters did get captured with the four left for dead in their initial fighting battle against the enemy, August uh, Kiritov. Now, the problem with that is, is that Ar- August Kiritov is the uh, creator of all of them, so he knows all of their ins and outs, strengths and weaknesses. He's also super enhanced and has an ability over all machines, and is a re- he's much stronger than anybody else rolling in this world, and he also created a cloned army of himself to fight the Guardians. So they were fighting, and they they also did not have a very good plan, quite frankly, coming into it, as they sort of snuck their way in and decided to fight the other half of the way through rather than working on stealth. They lost to a whole bunch of a clone army of a crazy enhanced strong character, and there were too many of them, quite frankly. Now you want to talk about you want to talk about that wouldn't happen to the turtles. There's a recent IDW comic called Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, The Last Ronin. I don't know if you're familiar with this, James, but in this particular storyline, Raphael, Donatello, and Leonardo are all killed by the Foot Clan led by Shredder's grandson. And Michelangelo has warped his mind as a result, and he's lusting for revenge in this particular comic. So when you say three of the four of them wouldn't happen to the turtles, James, three of the four of them did happen to the turtles. Sorry to tell you. So here's the deal. So they went in. Let's talk about that. The Guardians went in with like a horrible plan against a villain that they knew of, that they also knew created him, and they just went in. That's part of the whole deal with the Guardians. You could call that bad writing. I just call that bad planning. As far as the Ronin storyline, I didn't bring that into play because I want to keep this best version of Turtles versus best version of the Guardians, which is the only version of the Guardians. Keep it apples to apples on this I one. I mean, James, the reason you didn't bring it into play because it looks bad. It's an IDW comic, so it should be on the record. Okay, sure. And how long into the movie did the Guardians suffer their first like absolute horrible loss? I mean, it was probably about 40 minutes into the movie. It was 25 minutes into the movie. It, you know what? That movie, it, 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 you live in every moment. It can feel longer than it is. It, it, I got to tell you, that movie felt a lot longer than two hours. You're right. That is so true. All right. So, Brent, executive VP of Who Would Win. James, heard, worst part is it's only an 89-minute movie, and you keep calling it a two-hour movie. So I know it affected you. Oh, you have no idea. You have no idea how much that affected me. I don't know if I'll ever be the same. Brent, you've heard points number one from both Ray and myself. Where is your head at so far in this battle? Okay, well, I one thing I want to mention that I was thinking of while you guys were talking is, and I, I think I have to do it in the voice of, uh, you know, one of the greatest comedians of all time, Yakov Smirnoff. Uh, <laughs> I just want to make sure that I'm getting these facts correctly. In America, people kick arses. In a Russian Guardian movie, arses kick people. Is that right? I loved it. Uh, okay. In, in America, <laughs> women are... Are seen but not heard. In a Russian Guardian movie, woman heard but not seen. Is that correct, Ray? She's invisible? You're hurting my soul right now. (laughs) In America, paper beat rock. In Russian Guardian movie, rock beat everything because no paper and no scissors exist. Are these all three things correct? My soul is breaking and I'm crying on the inside. Okay, good. As long as those are all okay facts that going forward... I do want to get clarity on, okay, so Ray, you're, you were mentioning some things that made the Ninja Turtles look bad. I want, I, I'd like clarification on this from both of you guys. Yes. The one thing you guys were talking about in the comic that you said, and then James, you said you wanted them at their best. So I need clarity on that. What's true? What I mean, are we going? With- I think you have to take all factors into consideration. No, here's the deal. So you have the Guardians, you have their movie, if you want to call it that, and then you have to put them up against the team. 
right? So yes. they've been, Turtles have been around with IDW. Who knows if they're going to be retconned back to a team of four. They've been around for 40 years. They're trying a new storyline where, hey, it's many years in the future. Here's where we are. I'm talking about Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, not very old adult Mutant Ninja Turtles. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. It's implied in the name. The Who Would Win production team told me Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. That's what I'm going with. Okay, gotcha. Thank you. That's clear. And I'm going with, of course, IDW version of Ninja Turtles, where three of the four of them were killed as okay. adults. Well, I, yeah, and I do think that James clarified which version of the Ninja Turtles he was saying at the beginning. So, all right, gotcha. <laughs> okay, so Brent, where do you think where where where's your head at so far? Who do you think's ahead in this battle? Okay, so I do think that. Well, I'm not a, a huge connoisseur of either one of these properties. Okay, so going in, I was like. I've seen the dude with the, the I'm sure they're sickles since it's uh, basically you know, like, yeah. that he cuts cars in half with and, and runs really fast. And I don't know what the invisible lady does, except is invisible kind of. And the bear guy is, you know, a bear and, and, uh, Lair has his rock shields and stuff. And I was like, I don't know how the Ninja Turtles can deal with this. But then James is telling me that they can lift two, three tons. I did not think that the Ninja Turtles had that kind of strength. So now all bets are off and it's now I have no idea what's going to happen. So bring it in the next two rounds. All right. I love it. Okay, Ray, go ahead and hit us with your point number two. Point number two for Guardians. Now, about halfway through the movie, after that initial defeat, they get their way out of it, and they all get tech upgrades from the Russian government. It's a group called Patriot that is still around since since they fought for it during the Cold War. They remounted the Patriot unit for this superhero team. Now, the Patriot unit decided to give special tech, think Tony Stark tech, to each of these particular characters. So let's talk about what that tech means. Let's go for the same order again. Lair, he's Magneto with rocks. They gave him a very special suit that has rocks built into the suit. They said one of your main weaknesses is if you go to a place that has no rocks, you're kind of useless. And he goes, okay. So what they did is they created a very special suit that does not hinder his mobility, that is covered in rocks that he can that he can basically summon them to use at his disposal. But not just that. They gave him an electrified power whip, an energy weapon based around his rock power that uses energy beams to fuse them together like a, a sort of thing where it's like energy rock energy rock so it's sort of like like a serrated blade would almost be i don't know the right word for that there's probably some sort of a better word than that but that's all i've got here in the moment so it's essentially a very 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 long whip probably like 30 feet maybe and he he trains himself to be a master with this energy whip to the point where in the training room he's whipping it around and he's cutting these targets straight up in half The turtles don't necessarily cut people in half from 20, 30 feet away, but Lair's ability to do so at a distance puts them at a supreme advantage, especially given it's the kind of weapon that would be very, very effective, not only just a one-on-one environment, but in a one-on-four environment. If you're whipping that thing out there willy-nilly as you need to at at an enemy team that you're going to keep at a certain range away from you, ideally... That's going to hit a lot of damage because all four turtles are not going to be paying attention to the same thing at the same time in a fight like this. So that whip could do some real damage, quite frankly, ripping the turtles in half. Khan was given an upgraded body armor suit because one of his problems is he wasn't dressed very efficiently for combat in that first battle. He was ended up being hit in a vulnerable place by like a poison uh, a dart vial shot from a distance that went into his arm. The syringe gave him the juice and he got knocked unconscious. Now he's wearing a bodysuit that protects him from those forms of attacks and protects him from all kinds of hits like that. He was also given a special harpoon type weapon, which is more for mobility than it is damage. Because let's face it, a guy who could teleport with 
giant sickle swords and cut vehicles and people in half. Probably doesn't have any problem on the offensive side of things. And Xenia, she was given a special suit which allows her to be, well, quite frankly, more invisible than before in that she can conceal <laughs> objects with her. Before, if she carried something, only she could keep herself, you know, only she could keep herself invisible. Now she can keep herself invisible and other people and other objects. So when it comes to landing a crucial stiletto to the neck, from nowhere in the middle of a battle, you ask what she's going to be good at. It's going to be landing kill shots from unforeseen corners as she is totally invisible. She beat like 10 special forces guys simultaneously, both turning the invisibility on and off. And that basically she'd start beating them around. She'd take out like four of them. And then there'd be like four or five more from the crew that would come around her. And when she looked cornered, bang, she goes invisible. She gets herself out and then starts wailing on them once again from invisibility. Great power. And finally, Ursus, the great giant bear. He wears a special minigun cannon turret that he wears on his back like a backpack that anytime he wants to, it absolutely just turns into a minigun that he's holding that just shoots it wherever he's looking. Now, it's one thing to have the reflexes to aim something, but this auto aims to wherever he's focusing his aggression. And not just that, he can throw the turret onto the ground and it can work autonomously. The turret can fire at his targets without him needing to operate it because it just shoots where he's focusing his aggression with pretty good accuracy, quite frankly. So now this bad team of four has just turned into a team of five because this anonymous minigun is gunning and mowing down the turtles on top of them just getting destroyed and cut to ribbons by the other members of the team. I'm sorry, Ninja Turtles. I love you, but you have no chance against this Guardians team. Too much firepower. And that's my point number two. See, this is the part of the movie where my head was hurting and then the rest of my body came along for that ride because, you know, the, the reality is, first of all, to say they got Tony Stark's tech upgrades for, okay, okay, Arsis, the bear, uh, Arsis, yeah. the, way he, the way he was defeated is he was caught in a net that was much like, you know, the predator net that catches you then squeezes you. It did. And so he got caught in a net and then that squeezed him where he went from bear man pig thing back to man, mm -hmm. right? And their defense, they say, we're going to give you an upgrade in tech to help you fight against a net, which is a gun. Mm -hmm. Okay. It's not the uh, best storytelling, James, but it's, it's a really cool not. weapon. So, it no, 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 no. And this is the part where my head really started hurting. And so there, he's looking at this thing, the gun turret where he's looking. And as he's looking, he at the, it's following his arm. He starts looking at his arm. And all of a sudden, the gun turret is pointing at his arm. He's like, wow, this is this is it's literally pointing at his arm because he's focused on it. He looks at himself a lot. That is a disaster. That's gun safety that, that that's that's being ignored. Right. That is just like, as long as he doesn't safety. get aggressive towards his own arm. I think he'll be fine. I, I, I'm not ruling that out of the equation for Arsis. Exactly right. Yeah. And uh, Khan is just awesome. I love Khan. There's nothing I, I can Khan. say about Khan's yeah, the best Khan's character. Awesome. Yeah. Lair, I really liked his upgrade. He went from being able to have this Magneto like ability to project, like you said, rocks and dirt and everything his surroundings and project them everywhere and they said you don't have enough rocks so we're going to create this laser whip that is is more limited in range and can cut through things but is really way limited range and from that point forward he really only stuck to the whip and kind of ignored the rest of the powers he had that upgrade was kind of like me saying hey up i upgraded from being able to bench press 400 pounds to 100 pounds that's that's not what an upgrade is right that's actually a, a dry anyway Bad writing. So I'm not really feeling these upgrades for these characters. Now, with that being said, let me get to my point number two. Real simple. And all of that was actually part of that point two, point number two as well. Here's the deal. 
Let's talk about super ninja skills because that's what the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles are. They are super ninjas, super masters of ninjutsu. Let me explain. So ninjutsu is actually a combination of 18 individual sub-styles where each style is really considered its own thing that you need to master. So all of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles have mastered many of these sub-styles. They've been training ninjutsu with their respective weapons since they were small children, so for at least, what, 15 years? And what do you get when you have mutant turtles with superpowers doing ninjutsu? You take everything a ninja can do and make it way, way better and more effective. So again, they have super stealth where they can use their speed and reflexes to stay out of sight and to attack from out of nowhere to a much higher degree. They have the ability to throw shuriken, those throwing stars, more power and accuracy from really far away, uh, much further than what a well-trained human ninja could do. They hit harder and faster with picture-perfect technique. They create more velocity and momentum because they have that super strength. They move at super speed. Mass times force equals power. Whatever that is, they can do it. And what people really don't realize is that they have super strength and super speed behind their weapons usage as well, making them infinitely more dangerous. Look, Leonardo has two katanas, a katana in each hand. So for those who don't know, a katana typically is a two-handed weapon. The masters of the world in use of the katana use two hands on it. They don't have one in each hand. you got to be way too strong, have way too much dexterity, have too much speed. Humans can't do that. Leonardo can. So when he's using those, uh, those katanas, he's doing it at a superhuman level. Michelangelo's nunchucks move faster and hit way harder, thanks also to his super speed and super strength. Apply that same logic to Raphael with his size, Donatello is both staff, and you'll see where I'm going with all of this. Look, I could go on, but the reason I bring all this up is because as super ninjas, for lack of a better term, they've been able to keep up with other powerful fighting forces that are seemingly way more powerful than them and come out on top all the time. For example, in one crossover in the IDW universe, the Turtles fought the original Power Rangers more than held their own until they decided to join forces to fight against a common enemy. You know how that goes. In the Batman crossover series, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles successfully defeated a mutated and super powerful Bane who took over the Foot Clan, you know, from Shredder and had all the mutants now serving him. Same thing happened in a crossover with Savage Dragon, someone we had on the show, super powerful healing factor, crazy good fighter. They held their own against a world-crushing type of creature like that. Here's the big takeaway. The Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles easily hold their own against first-rate superhero groups and super powerful beings all the time. The Guardians, as a group, are nothing the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles haven't already faced before except maybe in a much less powerful form. And that's my point number two. Okay, so just to make sure I understand the ground rules of James, actual Ninja Turtle comic books from IDW, that what he's arguing should be completely off the table, but crossover movies with Batman <laughs> should be completely on the table. James, uh, I appreciate you not wanting stuff that makes you look bad on the record, but that's outright ridiculous. Crossovers have a place in a who would win battle, but are considered less weight, whereas things that actually happen to these characters should carry more weight. I want to talk about the wait, death wait, wait, wait. of on, Donatello. No, no, no. Are you, talking, gonna, are you yes. talking about the comic book series or the movie? Uh, both, quite frankly. There are two comic book series that were the IDW version of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles with They're still Batman. crossover events. Batman doesn't typically exist because Gotham City doesn't typically exist in the Ninja Turtles here's universe. The, now, here's I hoping wanna... the Guardians get a crossover. I would love to see it. And now uh, the thing I want to talk about is Donatello, because this is immediately you talk about, oh, they face characters who uh, are, are not strong enough to defeat them. They fight these guys all the time. Well, Donatello faced off with Bebop and Rocksteady. And I think at a minimum, you have to consider Ursus on a level with Bebop and Rocksteady, the mutant, what, rhino? Uh, and I don't know, something else. I, I, a pig and a pig. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. A warthog. So 
the fact that they were able to, they hit Donatello on his shell, on his most protected place, so hard, he died. Now, if Bebop and Rocksteady could pull that off in IDW real comics, not crossovers, against the Ninja Turtles, Donatello, Ursus can absolutely hit you hard enough, and that's even taking the minigun out of the equation. I think it's important to make that distinction right and now. I would actually say Bebop and Rocksteady are way more powerful than Arsis. Outrageous. A bear. Outrageous. A bear. Ursus. A bear. Ursus. Ursus. Whatever his name is. All right. Now, Brent, you've heard two points from Ray. You've heard two points from me. This is at the turn. We're at the turning point. You got to tell us who's ahead in this battle and what the other side has to do to pull out a victory. I got to tell you, I'm so confused right now. I, <laughs> it's like I'm I'm bewildered. I'm astounded. I, I, I like what both of you are arguing. I just, I'm having a hard time putting it together right now. So I really need that concrete kind of story. Like how does the team win? Cause I could see either one of the teams winning. You know, I love uh, the Ninja Turtles fight. I think probably better as a team, I'm guessing. And I think that the guardians have some crazy, crazy powers that are going to be hard to defend in many ways. So yeah, whoever, I just need a, uh, I need a story that's going to sell me on how this battle ends. Interesting. Okay, so you're mm. saying it's close. Yet again, here we are. The Guardians are being represented very well by Ray Sicanus. Can't believe it. Not a fan, but that's okay. Ray, go ahead. Kind of give us this uh, this killing blow, if you will. Let's see what you got for your point number three. Point number three for the Guardians. Now, I want to talk a little bit about the teamwork. It's so funny you would say that, Brent. I've already prepared my entire third point around how they work as a team. Now, the Ninja Turtles are individually very talented. Look, they've trained for what James said, 15 years. Wow, 15 years of training together. That's going to make you a pretty good team. But, of course, the Guardians have been training together since the 1940s. They've been training together for 50 years about before the group kind of broke down and then they came back to it again at a later date. So while 15 years of training together, one five is good. Five zero together working against a common American enemy is also better. Now, my math skills aren't that great, but five zero better than one five by a factor of something. I just know it's a bigger number. What does that allow for? Well, they get these upgrades uh, of these different weapons. And we talked about the laser whip of Lair. And there's a moment where they're trying to figure out how to make this thing work together and how to use their tech together. And they figure it out real quick. There's a point where they're in their final training sequence and Lair goes to use his laser whip and he goes to whip these guys in half. And Khan actually figures out that he can walk because he's so fast. He can jump in the air and run across the laser whip while Lair is flinging it and then dive bomb and then use his other speed and blade abilities to tear everybody in pieces using their teamwork together. It's kind of an equivalent of tag team wrestling. And we always know tag team wrestlers will always beat two individuals every single time. Not just that. With the upgraded abilities that come at the end, Lair uses something that only can be described as a seismic shift. He he creates an earthquake under the feet. And if there's one thing I know about Ninja Turtles, they need to be able to stand on the ground at one point. And how are they going to do that with Lair manipulating and controlling the ground around him to the point where in MMA turn, ground and pound, Lair can ground and pound an earthquake in the direction of whoever the heck he needs to. Ninja Turtles are going to have a hard time getting to close range against these guys. One, because Khan can just teleport away, quite frankly. The others have good speed as well, but they're going to either going to get pummeled by these rocks coming in over and over again when they're not worried about getting cut in half by half of the team. 
Not just that, the big final battle that happens. They end up fighting against August uh, at the top of this wild tower. This plot is incredible because he rips off a giant tower from a biggest Russian building and then plugs it on top of one of the other largest towers to create the biggest antenna in the entire world so he can control all the satellites using his ability enhanced through this tower, through this ability. He has a giant force field around it. He's very, very difficult to bring down. Look, this guy is rough. What our heroes discover is that they have the ability to work together from all their time together. They can channel all of their power together into the body of one of their own. In this particular case, they chose Lair. So they all touched each other. They stopped. They touched each other from a distance away from their enemies. And I've already established so they can create a distance between them and the Ninja Turtles. It got really, really rough. They knew they were up against it. So what do they do? They channel their powers together to create what only could be described as a Goku-level spirit bomb that went into the tower and absolutely eradicated the entire force field, the tower, August himself, very powerful character, and they essentially detonated this spirit bomb all over the faces of their enemies, wiping them off the planet. Now, the Ninja Turtles are rough. The Ninja Turtles are good. I'm not convinced that Lair and Khan can't rip them in half using their weapons and abilities, quite frankly, and I'm not convinced that the minigun and the power of Ursus couldn't kill Donatello in the same way Bebop and Rocksteady did in the same comics we're talking about. And I'm also not convinced that Xenia can't go invisible, hide from these turtles. Turtles, are they known for a great sense of smell? Not as far as I'm aware of. So she's going to be able to sneak up on them and plant a weapon, plant a blade, plant a katana in one of their necks when they're not expecting it. All of that together, you can easily see why the Guardians are just going to be too much and their teamwork is just going to be too much against a, a good team in the Ninja Turtles, but not one that's ready to deal with characters like this one. So Arsis was taken out by a net. Correct. Khan uh, was taken out by something to his neck, but he did get an upgrade, like a poison dart or, or uh, whatever, knockout dart. Okay. So here's the deal. They stopped fighting together at the start of the Cold War, correct? At the end of the Cold War in 1991. So they went from the 40s all the way into the early 90s. Got it. So how come they weren't as coordinated when they were fighting against, and who was the main villain again? It was August. August. So there was one part of teamwork I really thought was hilarious. The uh, man bear pig, Arsis, is on, they're on this pipe, right? Large pipe trying to walk from one building over to the tower that you were talking about. And what happened was the bear slipped. He, or whatever, he slipped. So he's hanging precariously off of, of, the, of the thing. It was very what dramatic. Did, it was very dramatic. Tell me about the teamwork they used to rescue the bear. Well, they, they tried to pull him up. And then uh, later on, there was an, a plane that came by that they tried to tag themselves onto to get him out of it. And then they said, to heck with this plane, and then crashed the plane and then landed wherever the heck they needed to. Right. So you're close. So what happened was they, um, they didn't help him. They just watched him. They were like, oh, cool. No, you can do it. It's a bear trying to like climb up a pole like a, on the edge of a round tube trying to hang. And luckily, Arsis was able to get up there. And uh, by himself, they didn't actually help him. It was the weirdest. Again, it could have just been bad writing. I actually interpreted it as they, for whatever reason, just didn't care enough to I, help him. You could which call was it really bad selfish. writing. I would say, James, that they respected him as an individual and knew he could get out of that situation <laughs> all on his own. 
He looked a little scared, right? But he the part with the plane, like, honestly, sure. was a little bit weird. If somebody could really explain to me what yeah. happened with that plane, I I need help with that. I loved how the plane crash landed and like they escaped the plane from crash landing because August took it over, put it into the ground, and then the main the main real leader, Amelia or whatever her name was, Major Elena, Major Elena yep. drives up as the plane is crashing into the city, destroying buildings, mm-hmm. and she just kind of drives up on a motorcycle and just kind of casually watches it. It's like, yeah, yeah. So I wonder where everyone is. Like, they just didn't uh, care. Correct. Yes. She's, I the, mean, she's the Nick Fury, if you will, of this particular crew. Nick Fury, if he was less caring and a little colder. Yeah, she doesn't care about a whole lot. She doesn't care a whole lot. It's, it's, <laughs> again, just could it be the writing. I don't know. Or it could be the characters. All right. So let me get to my point number three. All good things. Actually, before I do that, quick question. How many training sessions did the team have with their upgrades? That's the thing is they trained a whole heck of a lot. Now, I think they relied back on, you know, they had to kind of fall back on their previous training of 50 years together that they had to fall back on. Uh, When it came down to it to use their training, they used it until they achieved mastery of it, which is what I found interesting. There's kind of a montage of sorts of them learning all their stuff and kind of failing with it at first and then getting real good to the point where, like, you know, they'd say in some, like when you're doing an audition and you impress the cameraman, that means you're doing a good job. They impress the cameraman, basically, uh, the equivalent of the... The, the forces working in the office. They were impressed by these weapons. So I don't know exactly how much time they had, but they achieved mastery in that time as was dictated. Got it. So I wouldn't call it mastery. It was one training session. And the reason why I'm saying that is because as they're trying to learn this new tech, August is like, he's literally saying like, I'm counting down the seconds until I get control of that main satellite in the sky that can rain like, you know, horrible weapons of mass destruction onto the world. There's literally a countdown. Like they're in a hurry and like, let's learn how to use this first, and then we'll we'll have a training session. We know that he's about to take over the world, and if we it's don't stop crazy, him, crazy though, because he's trying to move a fifty foot tower using uh, road vehicles through the streets of Russia. That does take certain amount of time, but to do this was I know, and the, and the crazy thing, Ray, was that this was already. I'm, I know I'm nitpicking here. Just the tower. I didn't like the movies. What I'm trying to say, the tower's already up. The countdown already started, and they're like, "And before we go, let's let's learn some new weapons with tech over here." Training Someone montage, argue Rocky the style. writing could have been better. I, I would not be one of those people. Got it. Okay, that's all fair. That's fair stuff. Okay, so let's talk about my point number three here. Let's talk about teamwork, right? I already brought it up. So the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, they're brothers. They're super close. They've grown up together. They've trained together. They know each other super well. They know each other's moves, have pre-made plans set in place. They know how to position themselves and are a very cohesive team, really cohesive team. They are an amazing fighting unit. They've defeated the greater, great evils of the world. I've mentioned that before. They've beaten Shredder. They've saved the world and other planets as well. I could go on into about the four decades worth of accomplishments of the Turtles, but I'll leave it at that. I'm talking about all the Turtles, you know, as a composite. Now, the Guardians, they are still acting like a group of individuals. They sometimes get in their own way while fighting. We saw that in some of the fight scenes where they're accidentally kind of either shooting at each other or kind of hitting each other, getting into whatever, or not having coordinated attacks, not communicating. That is something we know about the Guardians. Despite their years of experience working together, they're really rusty when it comes to coordinating their attacks and attacking as a unit. They do like each other on some level, right? So they get along. That's cool. But again, no cohesiveness, nothing close to Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Now, let's talk about that ultimate, what's that called, that Goku has the uh, spirit bomb. So I went back to, I did The Unthinkable, and I watched part of that movie again. Thanks, Ray. And I actually timed how long it took them to power up that blast and shoot it in one direction. So the problem was they didn't even know they had that ability until Major Allen told them about it, right? That's the first thing. And they took that blast, 
And the problem is the blast had some limitations. First of all, again, it takes some time. It I timed it. It took 60 seconds to power up, Ray. 60 seconds. It was dramatic. It looked actually kind of cool. 60 seconds. Pretty sure the turtles won't be standing still for 60 seconds waiting for something to come their way because they're like, hey, look, they're doing something cool. Not going to happen. Secondly, the Guardians have to stay in one place, and they have to aim it in one direction, which is typically forward. They can't hit a moving target. Now, it's a wide area of attack when they blast it, but if that wide area of attack moves over and they have to turn to the right, they can't do it, as far as I can tell. And thirdly, once they shoot that blast out, they are super weakened. It's a one-shot kind of deal. It takes a lot of their internal energy to do it. So once they shoot it out, if it doesn't work, they're screwed. They're going to be easy, easy, easy to pick off. They all get super weakened. So here's how I see this battle going. They face off. The Guardians go head first or run into battle like they normally do. Without saying where the turtle executes some kind of prearranged plan. They split up, kind find cover where they can't be seen, but they can see everything else. The Guardians go into attack mode, but start to get hit by throwing stars from seemingly out of nowhere. Khan, because Khan's awesome, uses super speed and tags one of the turtles. A massive brawl ensues where the Guardians quickly see they're outmatched in skill and fighting ability because they're getting tagged by this well-oiled machine. So out of desperation, they use their spirit bomb looking thing. And somehow, they're awesome. They cut the time to shoot that thing in half, right? In half. Unfortunately, that's still 30 seconds. And as they're trying to charge it up, that's taking way too long. Turtles figure out something's up. They get out of the way. They shoot the energy blast. Doesn't do a thing to turtles because they're already out of the way. They're weakened. And the turtles pick them up, take, take them out one by one. The Russian government awards them some medal of honor and millions of rubies, which is like 300 bucks when you told me. And the Russian government's happy because now they've gotten rid of a, a national embarrassment. Super ninjas who spent, who grew up, who are brothers, who know each other super well, overcoming impossible odds, taking out everything that comes their way. That is why they beat the Guardians, and that's why they win this fight. And that's my point number three. I think that's a very interesting fable that you're telling right there, James, quite frankly. You know, we, we haven't seen the Guardians die in any of their movies, but we've seen the Ninja Turtles die. Now, the way I want to say this right now is thank you for cutting that in half because the time I mean for the spirit bomb, if you're going to cut it from 60 seconds to 30 seconds, what I would see is uh, normally you need two minutes in a who would win battle in order to get an immobilization style of victory. What you've just told me is I really only need about 30 seconds of immobilization in order to conjure the spirit bomb and get the ultimate victory. And James, I appreciate you for that because let's face it, at the end of the day, the Turtles have fought, you know, Shredder. They fought a lot of nameless ninjas and robots and Mauser robots from Baxter Stockman and they fought some aliens and stuff. And that's cool. Casey Jones, he's got to appear on the show at some point. One of my favorite characters. But they've never fought something like the Guardians. Let's face facts. Now, have they fought somebody like Ursus, the Bear Man? Without question. In fact, when they see Ursus, I wouldn't be surprised if they thought that all the Guardians could all change into different animals because that's the world they come from. That's the world they would be expecting. So when they don't and they're drilled with Magneto-style powers and Black Widow combat with Invisible Woman-style powers and and Flash-level teleportation blade speed powers, I'm not even going to try to infinite mass punch this because I don't need to. My point is, is that we have two characters, Lair and Khan, who can cut them in half. We have a minigun that, let's face it, they can jump around and dodge and everything, but when you're fighting a giant bear and also getting hit with precision by a turret, shooting miniguns at you repeatedly, that's just going to be too much for even the well-trained Ninja Turtles to deal with. The way I truly see this battle going is, quite frankly, I think one of the Turtles is going to get taken out by Khan early, turning this into a four versus three battle, looking right at you, Donatello, 
for no other reason than I'm looking right at you, Donatello. He's going to cut right through him, cut him in half, and that is going to make the Turtles mad. They're going to get angry. They're going to start coming at it. And I could actually see where they take out Xenia, turning it back into a 3v3 battle because she tries to do the stabby. She gets a nice critical blow in on, but that Turtle is going to then turn it around with his super strength and take her out. Three versus three, though, this is when it's going to start breaking down because as the numbers start dwindling, that's going to give the Guardians an advantage over the Ninja Turtles who are used to working in a foursome. The Guardians are used to working both alone and as a team. So Lair's going to use his Earth-based powers. He's going to cover cover the Ninja Turtles in rubble. He's going to hit them, knock them out of the air. He's going to cover them in rubble, and we've seen the Turtles have trouble when rubble falls on top of them. And all he's got to do is keep them down for 30 seconds to summon the Spirit Bomb to evaporate the turtles off the battlefield. That's how the Guardians are going to win. That's all I have to say about that. Quick question, Ray, and then we'll move on to Brent. Before the Guardians shot that blast, what was their plan of attack after they had been beaten by August? Their plan of attack was to not win because they tried a frontal assault that honestly, they were dealing with a character who controlled, there was too, it was too overwhelming. It would be like the four Ninja Turtles walking in the front door of the Foot Clan and trying to take them all on single-handedly. They would lose that battle. They have lost those battles in the past. And that's exactly the situation the Guardians put themselves in on by taking the bad advice of their leaders, who thankfully those leaders are not part of this battle. Well, so the leader is Lair, right? The field leader is Lair. The field leader is Lair, but the person who came up with the plan was the Nick Fury-style character, and she is not a factor in this battle. I know, thank God, because she's the one who suggested the energy attack. What what Lair's plan was before the energy attack, again, bad writing, was to do another frontal assault. Hey, let's go back in there. And she's like, no, 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 no. You say bad writing. I say excitement. it, It was exciting. Once it was finished, I could move on. So the reality is they don't have great strategy and planning they are very powerful i'll give you that but they're just not that cohesive planning group with great plans of attack now brent you've heard three points from ray you've heard three points from me it's time for you to render your decision use your wisdom use all of your thought processes that led you to become the executive vp of who would win take us through your process and tell us who wins this battle is it the guardians or is it the teenage mutant ninja turtles okay so let me run through my process there's a couple things I was thinking about. I was thinking uh, James was talking about the training, and then uh, Ray had mentioned that they've been training since the Cold War. So then the training's not as disparate. And now what they're training in, those are different things. But I thought there's going to be a huge difference in the amount of years in training. There's really not. I think that I want to. There's only one movie of the Guardians, so it's not it's not the the team of the Guardians' fault that there's not more material. Uh, so we have less examples of what of what they can do. And I would also assume that since there's only one movie, then what we're talking about is how they would perform from the end of the movie, not at the beginning of the movie, because, you know, that's kind of the origin at the very beginning. So I would think that they would have learned the lessons. And while we're fighting now, we've learned the lessons from the first movie, because otherwise there's just no way. And that's I don't think it's really fair to them. But. You know, that, that works in a, the opposite way, too, because then we don't have, a, you know, neutrals, we have examples of them beating a bunch of people, but then they've been, you know, some of them have died from certain people, too, or uh, villains and things like that. So um, so I have to take all that into account, and I don't think, I, I, I don't buy the spirit bomb thing really working. I don't think the turtles would be slow enough or dumb enough to, to kind of hang on it and let that happen. I think they're too smart to do that i do think it's there are some what this reminds me of really is 
there's another team that I know that has like four members, very different powers, and also has had a bunch of bad movies made about them, the Fantastic Four. <laughs> and this reminds me a little bit of that. I I respect the Ninja Trolls. I don't know how they can cover all these kind of things at the same time because it's a it's a you know it's it's a random encounter. They don't know each other. I think you see the Ninja Turtles. You can immediately see this. You can see they're they're dressed like ninjas. They're gonna throw ninja apparatus at us, and they're gonna fight. And these guys they transform into different things. They don't know the one guy's gonna teleport. They don't know the one lady can turn invisible. So I think that's a tough thing. Uh, Ninja Turtles did work together for a long time though. So this is a really, I mean, I found this to be a very tough battle, tougher than I thought it was going to be, and I've really gone back and forth. But after I've heard all the stories and all the arguments, I think after this battle is said and done, they're going to make a movie about it. And we're going to see the name on the marquee reading, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Secret of the Lose, the Guardians win this battle. Oh my uh. goodness. Secret of the lose. I'm going to forgive you for that <laughs> terrible, terrible uh. pun because that is the correct decision in this battle. Look, I talk a lot about I really want this win. Look, I really want every win, but sometimes you want it just a little bit more. Brent Pope, executive vice president. Why? Because he can see through uh. malarkey. And he can see the reality and truth for what it is. James, what I would only say is if you didn't think the Guardians were going to win this battle, go watch the movie again. First of all, I'll never believe anything you ever say about this is the greatest movie of all time. You have to watch this. <laughs> that that was probably the most gullible I've ever been. I can never trust you ever on any level, Ray, ever. James, because of that. that was, to be fair, that's on you at this point. It is, it is. And then I had to go back and watch parts of it again for this battle. This this was not good. I threw up many times. I think if you saw it again, you would change your mind. No, here's what I'm going to do. Here's what I'm going to do. I've been, I was thinking about this during this fight. There's a bigger injustice to, to the world here that we need to fight. The trailer, the trailer I saw for the Guardians was actually not bad. It's we really can all good. agree on that, right? It wasn't that bad. It's really good. It's really good. There's a bait and switch that happens, and not in a good way. So I'm actually going to go. I'm going to go on record and say this as a producer. I'm going to try to buy the rights to the Guardians. Oh wow! Yeah, and yeah. You'd probably oh. do it. It's probably I'm going to do that it. much. I'm going to do it. Is what 800 million rubies or rubles or whatever they McDonald's French fries. If you had 800 gets, million whatever. rubies, you'd probably get it pretty easily. Well, I'm going to get it. I'm going to get the rights to the Guardians, and I'm going to do it right. I'm going to do it right. You know what I'm going to make them do? Win properly i'm also going to give them something called teamwork and good writing see i'm now, convinced james <laughs> that you would buy the rights just to do a crossover with ninja turtles and have them get curb stomped <laughs> no you know what i just think the teenage mutant ninja turtles are just too good for the guardians and the guardians need work before they should be really can be considered in the same class as teenage mutant ninja turtles i'm not good with this not good with this uh, I think I, Ray, you did. Oh, oh no, no, no! Executive okay. VP, you're <laughs> overstepping here. Right. I'm going to talk. Monologuing, Brent. Oh, let him go. I'm talking. I'm talking. I'm going to be talking with the CEO of who would win, <laughs> and I'm reporting you, uh, saying you actually did. A, I'm saying you actually did a great job in this battle. I didn't really mention. I think. I think that the game changer in this battle is the seismic stuff with the with him, like all the rocks. I think it just makes it Agreed. too. I, I could see him doing that. They not they don't know he's going to do it. The all grounds on leave, and then and then I could see Khan just wiping up real quick with his super speed and those giant sickles. You know what? I you're right, and I think I've I've made a new decision. I don't care about the Guardians anymore. I'm getting the rights to Khan. Just Khan. Just, just by Khan. Himself. 
And that's what the movie's going to be called, Just Con. You know what? Get a hold of Stefan Thomas and put him in the creative extreme. I think we could make this actually happen. I love it. I love it. With that being said, Ray, my hat is off to you. You took a horrible movie and made it an entertaining Who Would Win matchup. I believe after all is said and done with this Who Would Win battle with our social media, we will have at least doubled, probably tripled the viewership of that movie. Oh, I can guarantee right now we're going to have more people listening to this episode than probably went to go see that movie in theaters in Russia in 2017. If only I had a time machine, that's what I would go do. <laughs> go check out that movie on opening night. Could you imagine how fun that would be? To, like, all joking aside, to watch that movie in Russia and everyone's excited. <sighs> this is our version of the Avengers. Let's. This is so bad. <laughs> anyway, with that being said, at the very least, it was a super fun battle. Congratulations to Race to Canis. I deserve it. No, look, the guy, look, look, I unabashedly love this movie. I love these characters. I understand that some people out there might find critical faults with some of the writing, some of the decisions made over the course of the movie. And I would say, again, it had the same budget as Clerks 2, and it looks like <laughs> it does. My hats are off to the people at Guardians. And quite frankly, if we could acquire the rights, I would love it. Let's make it happen. Let's get the Guardians a proper sequel. All right, Brent Pope. So great job as usual. I completely disagree with your decision on many levels and hope many ill wills on you. That's a Russian proverb. With that being said, fantastic job. Where can people find you and your fantastic show online? You can listen to Breakfast with Brent Pope anywhere you listen to podcasts, but specifically you can go to my my website, brentfist.com. You can go to brentpope.com. They're all the same website. You can buy a bunch of merch there, a bunch of cool stuff. Some of you guys have already done it and I appreciate it greatly, but I think everybody should. It's amazing stuff. You yeah, On Instagram, you can find me at, at Scoops Pope. Twitter, same thing, Scoops Pope. You can listen to my Facebook actor page. Uh, that's verified, Ray, with the blue check mark. Yeah, thank now you. Now I'm jealous. Yeah. Very impressive. <laughs> Very impressive. <laughs> you know, the other thing you can watch right now that I'm kind of excited about that we've been shooting for about six months is Sauce Boys, which you go to Hockey Sauce Kit, I think it's called. Yeah, Hockey Sauce Kit on uh, Instagram, and then you go to their... Uh, IGTV page and it's just a fun like spoof of bad boys where I get to play the, this commissioner of wow. in the in the sauce district where people play hockey all the time. Commissioner, executive VP, like everything you do is such high level, like upper echelon. Well played. <laughs> well played. Uh, all right. Now, Ray, another win for race to Canis. I hate you for it. And uh, I hate the guardians. I don't hate the fact that you won. I hate the fact that I fell into your trap. You used the IMF on me, the intoxicating mind fog on me. Got this great movie. You got to see James Gabsy. You'll love it. I did it and uh, I fell into it. So well played. Tell everyone where they can find you and, and also tell them how you're feeling right now. I'm feeling, quite frankly, like singing in the rain. If it rained in Los Angeles, I'd be out there singing in it right now. Guardians, wonderful movie. Don't let James fool you. It's on Tubi TV for free right now. That's a free plug for Tubi TV. You can watch this movie for free, and you will thank me afterwards. It will change your life as it has mine. I'm going to read a quick review. This is from a friend of the show, Bjorn the Viking. A geek debater's dream. Five stars. This show just rocks. Plain and simple. Fun and interesting matchups. Yeah, right? Great guest judges. Okay. Most importantly, awesome knowledge and chemistry between Ray and James. I'm trying to work with James as best I can, Bjorn. Highly, all caps, <laughs> recommended if you like any genre that is considered geek. Highly recommended if you like to argue. Highly recommended if you just like dot, dot, dot. Fun. And I had a blast in this episode. I've wanted to rep the Guardians 
for basically as long as I've been a part of the show. And I finally watched the movie, which I've been dragging my feet on, quite frankly. Shame on me. I love it. Guys, go watch Guardians. If you pull anything else from this, these are amazing characters that deserve more. If more of us watch this movie, maybe it will show them a sequel should, in fact, happen. You can find me on Twitter at Almighty Ray. Watch parts of the Guardians. And again, fast forward whenever there's talk. Ray, we can agree to this, right? Whenever people are talking... You can fast forward, get to the action. The action's not bad, really. It's actually not Those bad. Those storylines are right out of Shakespeare's quill. The stories that they are telling where Ursus is afraid of turning to too much of a bear, and then they sort of abandon that idea halfway completely. through the movie like, and he completely. just using the power. Yeah. Look, that some would call that shoddy storytelling. I would call it levels. Again, training with with new tech as there's a countdown with a villain about to destroy the world. That's how strong they are. That's fair. You seem mad, James. I let just, let me know, take you out to a champagne poutine brunch, and it'll all be better. And Ray's not invited. I do feel better. As per I usual. Thought, thank you. Thank you. That's awesome. Would we combine the poutine? Would we put the poutine in the champagne? That sounds gross, but I, if you want to. <laughs> I, I'm neither a fan of champagne or poutine, but I am oh, a well. fan. I am a fan of Brent Pope's company. Ooh. Now it's awkward. You can find me on Twitter, <laughs> Instagram, and Facebook by typing in at James Gabs. You remember to join the official Who Would Win Facebook group. To make a suggestion for a matchup for the show and to be part of our growing community, you can also find us on Instagram at Who Would Win Show. Don't forget to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, and where else you can go for your podcast and video content. And check out the Who Would Win website at www.whowouldwinshow.com to access all of our past podcast episodes. On behalf of myself, Ray Sicanus, and the rest of the amazing Who Would Win production team, thank you once again for checking out another episode of Who Would Win. We'll see you next time. What's up, everyone? Brian here, host of the TV and Movie Trivia Podcast. It's a trivia-style podcast focusing on TV and movies. Listen in for questions like, what's the name of Michael Scott's screenplay? What do you say to view the Marauder's map? What are Tony Stark's last words to Thanos in Avengers Endgame? And where does Ron Burgundy say he is when he calls the news station sobbing from a phone booth? I've covered The Office, Harry Potter, Marvel, Will Ferrell movies, Lord of the Rings, and more, with even more on the way. So play along to the TV and Movie Trivia Podcast anywhere you get podcasts, and stay tuned for more trivia! At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com.